Hey y'all, it's K-Bird Tweets, and this is Peace, Love, and Baseball. Welcome back to Peace, Love, and Baseball. I'm your host, K-Bird Tweets, and today we are less than four weeks away from the MLB World Tour Series of the St. Louis Cardinals versus the Chicago Cubs at London Stadium in London, England. As you may already know, I am headed to London for the series. It will be my first time traveling out of the country. I got a terrible passport photo. I'm ready. And today, I thought it would be fun to chat with some folks who are in the know on what we can expect as fans traveling across the pond for the series, or even as a viewer at home, what might be different from the typical game here in the States. It's also interesting to consider what people living in the UK might know or think about the game of baseball, since it's not super mainstream there. So we're going to dig in and find out. Joining me today is my sister, Katie, who you may remember from episode eight, way back in October of 2022. Uh, She is an international events professional who lives and works in London. And we're also joined by her boyfriend, Andy, who was born and raised outside of London and is with us today, too. So they will be attending the games with me at London Stadium. Katie, welcome back. Andy, welcome to Peace, Love, and Baseball. Thank you. Thanks for being here. How are you guys? Yeah, as uh, two fellow terrible photo passport holders, um, we can attest to that is no um, testament to the picture or the, the person rather than the uh, document that it has to be. Well, on, speak so. for yourself. I think mine's rather dashing. <laughs> Andy, but, don't, you have an ID of sorts that has a picture on it from you as like a very young child that is still a valid ID? Yeah, it was my driving license. I've subsequently lost that, actually. I need to replace it. So do you think they'll make you take a new photo? I hope so. I'm about 12 in it. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And he never gets questioned about it. Right. Interesting thing, because the legal drinking age in the UK is 18 here. And everyone's 18 on a Friday night in England. (laughs) The the bouncers in England are told the date of birth that you have to be. So whether it, well, I don't know what it is now, I think it's 2005 to be terrible, 18. Terrible. God. Uh, I get told that, and if it says that on the card, you're fine. So <laughs> it should get a bit changed. In, in some of the major cities here in the States, it is like that as well, I think. I, when I lived in New York City, I actually regularly did not carry my ID with me because unless you were in like the really touristy parts of New York, you didn't get carded. And I didn't drive, you know, when I lived in New York. So I remember when I came back to my small town in Illinois for like Christmas or something, I went out with friends and I tried to go to a bar and I didn't have my ID with me and they wouldn't let me in. And I had to get Katie to like, I had to drive that to you. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to get Katie. Yeah, you said you got pulled over and then you used my ID. Yeah, and you said, like, this is me. Oh, oh my I wasn't allowed to drive by myself. Oh, because you only had a permit at the time. Wow, we're just disclosing all of the illegal activity we've ever taken part of here in the first five minutes of this episode. So I would have been 14, right? When you were 21. No, no, I wasn't 21. I was like 23 or 24. Oh, when right. This happened. Okay. Yeah, no, we don't need to think about it too much. Anyway, we're all here. We're all fine. We're fine, upstanding citizens of the United States and of the UK. (laughs) 
<laughs> but Andy, I I have to ask you, first things first, what all Major League Baseball fans are wondering, I'm sure, your mm-hmm. name is is Andrew Judge. So I have to ask, do you have any relation to the New York Yankees superstar, Aaron Judge? Uh, I, I'm sorry to say that I don't. Um, you know, I figured it was worth a shot. You're both yeah. tall, Aaron and Andy. Yes. Sounds like maybe there could be some it's relation it's there. So well, with my <laughs> athletic ability, I'm sure he'd feel sh- slightly shortchanged if I was. But uh, no, no relation, unfortunately. You actually knew who he was, though, before. Well, I only knew who he was because my sister um, is a cabin crew for BA. And so she flies to New York semi off. Oh, Yeah. And she saw somebody with a jersey that said Judge on the back, but she wasn't sure whether it was just a fan and that was his surname or whether it was a player. Yeah. Yeah. So So she looked it up because she was like, that's my last name. I wonder. Yeah. Yeah. I would say he is like the most well-known player in the major leagues right now. So that was going to be my next question for you was if you have any idea who I'm even talking about, but. Um, I don't. I don't know whether he's a (laughs) bowler or a bowler. (laughs) Oh, there. Oh, come on. <laughs> so I can we, tell you whatever I want about Aaron Judge and you believe yeah. me. Yeah, we'll believe it. <laughs> well, before we get too far into the baseball conversation, I personally have been wanting to ask you, Andy, about the coronation of King Charles that happened rather recently because yeah. it was all televised here and it was covered in the U.S., but I understand that it probably has a completely different meaning to someone like you as a native of the country. So what does the monarchy and like the coronation of King Charles mean to you? Tell us a little bit about it from your perspective. Well, it it was, it's kind of um, changed as I've got older. So growing up, particularly my grandparents were very royalist. And that was kind of what I knew as a young person. Um, Anything that went on with the royal family, anything that was in the newspaper was all very interesting and very important um, and especially when there was things going on about the royal family, it would be very much talked about in the pubs uh, or my, my parents would find it interesting. And so I grew up in a very, um, to be to be quite respectful of the royal family. And that's kind of my experience growing up until I kind of got to about 16, 17, when you kind of get your own views about or different views about um, the royal family and the coronation. Um, the coronation itself was... I mean, I think from the amount of people that were there, it's still very much a an important part of English culture to have the monarchy um, and have that to look up to. There's differing views about it because um, the cost of the coronation itself was paid sure. for by the British public and people yeah. are slightly unnerved about that. And that's all got, got into the newspapers. And I so, came out of my taxpayer money. Taxpayer I paid for the coronation. And all that sort of stuff. Um, but given the amount of people that were there, and, and, and I tried to go myself, I couldn't quite get to the palace or um, to the walkway. But um, yeah, it, it's certainly a fun thing to see. And I think for the British people, it's still it's still something very much heavily subscribed to. But people, I think views are changing slightly. As it's, yeah, it's interesting to see how the because Queen Elizabeth was so yeah her longevity was you could probably say a reason to her success. We were talking about this earlier is that she was so stable and just like a comforting presence. Yeah, um, and then I think the the people's views changed a little bit about Charles and how people 
kind of saw everything that happened with him and his personal life unfold in a way that um, maybe Queen Elizabeth's life wasn't on show just because the way technology and access changes to the royal family. Like right now, in my view, that like William and Kate and, you know, Harry and Meghan are all very, like the news around them is very salacious. It's like very column you know like um paparazzi kind of news but i think that's always been a common theme about the royal family is that mm-hmm. there has always been that press so <laughs> you know william and kate and harry and Meghan. they're so glo- uh, so global social media has changed of course and so it's different now but the newspapers back in the day about yeah diana and charles would have been exactly the same and if social media had been about then you know can you imagine that world um but it's interesting i spoke to my mum about it and she talks very fondly about the Queen and her role, but less fondly of Charles, mm. which um, I think may be something that changes over time. People, you know, yeah. And so the King's now here. So it may in years to come be. Yeah, it's all very fresh right now. I mean, yeah. she's still on the money here, right? So we haven't yeah. made that transition. I also think it, like, as maybe as uncomfortable it is to talk about, like, he is just a little bit older and sometimes it's hard to get behind someone that has a little less vigor behind them to use, you know, one of our. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I like, I can't really speak to that as a UK national, but what I was seeing um, that certainly seemed, but, but Charles has done some great stuff and like yeah. Prince's trust and he has like very long established, well-respected um, public service record here i think and it's just his like personality maybe that people don't really yeah well i I think as well that one of the things i guess is that the royal family is representative of the very elite in terms of and and the majority of english public is either you know working class or different different levels of class and so it's very hard to relate even for british people when it comes to Mm. looking at the royal family and so there is that divide yeah Um, As you're talking about it, I'm actually like thinking about how similarly this is to kind of how the standards for political figures in the U.S. has changed in my lifetime. And whether that has to do with social media or whatever, like not to get too political here because we're talking peace, love and baseball. But like, for example, the person who was elected president, you know, in 2016, we have never seen some any political figure act like that openly or you know have the sort of press that that he has had and be elected to public office by the popular vote but (laughs) so i wonder if that's just a part of it too like the standard has changed with how we as a society have evolved and i'm sure that's as much of a part of it over there as it is here yeah i think one of the cultural differences that i certainly notice being you know an expat is that like class system is while it's very noticeable in the u.s it's so very part of the culture here like Mm -hmm. they're very much a separation of class people within it only in their accents or but you can immediately pick up on it on someone and like i think it's so very subconscious here but i think it's the more subconscious something is the more like it plays on your emotional opinion yeah so like if you definitely have that opinion it's kind of contradictory we were talking about this earlier it was like 
everyone loves a reason to have a party you were yeah. saying he was like everyone loves a, a reason to like go have a drink at a pub and like we love a street party and yeah, oh, yeah same here the coronation was that like that's what the coronation was. yeah um but like even more like every like drinking culture is huge here so it's like get into a pub have a chat about something it's something to have a chat about it's in the papers like yeah um it's news just by virtue of them being who they are yeah and i think it is enjoyed by the majority yeah uh, that's true yeah i think it's important as well for the majority too it's something to look up to and and it's always been there it's been sort of a fixture for ever as far as people are concerned so it's certainly still there and it's still enjoyed and celebrated um i think they would probably get a uh benefit out of you describing what role politically the royal family plays i agree yeah tell us about that because i think there's a lot of confusion around that like here in the states i would say it's very half and half i really have no idea what the percentage would be of people who are very fascinated by it all and as far as taking in that paparazzi type news and the other half that's like I literally could care less about this. I don't, it doesn't affect my life at all. I don't know why we have to hear about it, but yeah. I'm more interested in it. And I think a lot more people would be interested in it if we knew how, yeah, it affects your life and your culture. Yeah, well, sure. Well, the, the, the system is kind of split between, we have the head of state, which is the monarchy. So we had Queen Elizabeth and now King Charles, um, but all fiscal government issues are dealt with by the political party that's in power at the time. So at the moment, it's the Conservative Party, um, which are the right wing. And we have the um, Labour Party that's the left wing. So there's kind of, they're the two major parties in the UK. Along with Similar the to party. here. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's various other parties that sort of fall somewhere on the spectrum, um, but are less popular. So all sort of daily fiscal governmental policies are dealt with by the government. Um, if a new law is to be passed, then it's got to be signed by the monarch um, for it to be enacted into law. But oh, okay. most fundamentally, everything is done that affects the country, policy decisions and everything else from the government. Um, so the role of the monarchy really, in other senses, is their presence, really. And it's being about yeah. having... Um, an impact by being at different locations at different times for different events and all that sort of thing. And so I think their role really comes now down to in the most modern sense of them being the figurehead of the country. Right. As opposed to the government head was Boris Johnson and before that David Cameron and now Rishi Sunak, who um, is the leader of the Conservative Party. So we have a head of state that isn't a government figurehead. Right. Um, so in that sense, there is a division of um, power in that sense. But um, So if a bill was passed, could the monarch, the, the head of the monarchy, could they like veto it or say like no go? I guess they, they could. I guess they could. But interesting. Just, okay. it just wouldn't be a regular. <laughs> they would just be, have to do all the advice and they would go through all the relevant processes. And then yeah. Okay. That, and off it goes. So they're there really to be, um, nothing goes past the king, if that makes sense. Um so they have to make that final stamp of approval. Mm. But, interesting. Yeah, it's it's an interesting... And, and in terms of their role now, it kind of becomes into question from British people about how, you know, is there a need for the monarchy anymore? And so I guess that's the really the question that the public asks. And it's always in the newspapers and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, but in terms of their... Especially for in London and the 
reach it hard for people from abroad to come and visit the, the city and and whatever else there is a real financial benefit to having a monarchy for sure and the what they do for tourism and all the rest of it can't be understated mm-hmm. but i guess the out the other view is you know oh, do we need it anymore so I, I guess that's where the different view in the public is yeah and i don't know that a lot of americans would necessarily know about what the commonwealth is and how that plays a role into what the monarchy is it's basically um one of the you know glorying achievements of queen elizabeth and her time was the commonwealth and um uh, quite a few recently have declared their own independence so quite recently barbados um in the last couple years i think have declared their independence so uh, the queen was no longer the head of state there and it was like a huge congratulatory sort of thing but it was still like uh oh that's not um it, it was like a why is everyone else saying part of the commonwealth really so like what are the other I, I don't know them off the top of my head but there's loads of them australia is one that are constantly having the debate of why is someone you know thousands of miles away um have that final say over our laws yeah. because that's technically the, the head of state is King Charles in that is so interesting I knew that there like I knew there was a commonwealth that there was like places outside of the UK that the monarchy had a role in but I had no idea that like Australia was one of those places yeah, so yeah. that's crazy it's uh well Australia's history you know is like a load of it, everyone says they're criminals in Australia but obviously that's not true but like it that's England used to ship all of their criminals that's the 19 times wine that mom loves. So ah, mom, yes. Kind yeah. of a play okay, on it all makes sense now. 19 crimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like... Um, so there's a huge, yeah, there's a huge role of overseas relationships between countries, especially within the Commonwealth. And so there's another tie there, especially in terms of military and um, military yeah. relationships. Um, so recently the coronation, one of my friends is in the army. And I was walking around with him. He was doing his various duties that day. So I only saw him for a, saw him for a short period of time. But there was, you know, the um, New Zealand army and the Australian army. And they all knew of one another in certain ways or spoke to each other. So there are ties um, that are there. And that, for sure, is influenced by having a head of um, state like the monarchy. So... Yeah. There's certainly a benefit there. Yeah. Training trickles down. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think there's still things going on with the monarch. I'm sure Charles will be busy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, and it plays, that kind of brings up that it it brings a bigger role. It is a bigger role than just to the UK specifically. So that's fascinating Mm -hmm. as well. Loads of their stuff is travel. Like they, I don't know how much Camilla and Charles will travel these days, but like certainly... Um, their royal tours and stuff they travel all the time i think um yeah if you watch the crown that's where i it's get really good it's no, really good the crown it goes through all of it so it's well worth watching that's good that's actually good to hear your opinion on it that you would that you think it's a you know i was yeah. gonna ask you that actually because my mom you know watched it before she came to the uk for the first time yeah. and was like you have to watch it before you go but from your perspective worth watching absolutely i think so it goes through the various prime ministers and it goes through the difficult times that, that they were going through at various stages 
throughout. It was um, really interesting. Yeah. The Today's episode of Peace, Love, and Baseball is brought to you by The Crown. The Crown. So get just kidding. But... On Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> you can watch uh, it on Netflix. But I think it's a very. I was speaking to my dad about it. Um, so my dad was born in the late fifties, and so a lot of the things that I was sort of talking about, he'd been alive during. Yeah. Yeah. He remembers being. He was telling us the other day that he remembers being woken up for the moon landing by his parents in, in the morning. Isn't that crazy? Oh, cool. He remembers all that sort of stuff. And he, Apollo thirteen. You remember seeing Apollo thirteen yeah. actually happen? So not just the movie with Tom Hanks. All like. that stuff that's on there it is. It's it's quite an interesting watch. Yeah, and it does go through quite a lot. Um, so we're waiting for the the final stages of the Diana stage. Diana stage right so. now, yeah. We'll see how that plays out. That was a film. huge thing that we were not alive for that has definitely impacted people's opinions on the the monarchy, I think. Yeah. Carl's oh, just- yeah. And there's been a lot of movies, TV series, like documentaries, even in like the last few years, especially now that like her kids are adults around yeah. all yeah. of that. So yeah. it is yeah. interesting. There's actually a Broadway musical. Have you heard of the Broadway musical called Diana? Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, it opened. It was supposed to open in 2020 and obviously it didn't and so i want to say it ended up opening in 2022 and it had a very short run didn't do well but again i really think that is more due to the fact that theater is still not you know back to what it was and it wasn't in the position to do well but some of the music that i heard from it was was really beautiful and it is uh camilla is a big role i know in that in that show as well so hello she's in um I don't know that she's in the movie Spencer. We watched that one where Kristen yeah. Bell. That's a great movie. No, what's her name? Kristen Stewart <laughs> from Twilight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Twilight Girl plays. She was actually not bad in it. I just don't think the movie was great. And was yeah, great. I started watching that one day and I like couldn't get into it because of the movie, not because of anything else, just the storytelling specifically. Yeah, this yeah. Is I think interesting it style. The arc wasn't very interesting. Well, the, the Diana story in and of itself is so interesting because it has so many moving parts to it. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that it was the kind, it seems at least from any sort of reading that it was the family's choice as opposed to Charles, which led to yeah difficulties going forward. And so, well, I, you know, we don't have any sort of monarchy here in the U.S., but I have been campaigning for in his retirement for us to just elect adam wainwright as some sort of head of state here in the united states i think he would just be a great public figure that that photo of him from the world baseball classic where he has the american flag wrapped around him like a cape like that's what i want above everyone's fireplace in every home in our country he does do good work he does my wayno world shirt on today (laughs) sadly as all good american girls we both have yes wayno's world (laughs) shirts all right, Andy, my last question for you in regards to King Charles and the monarchy is is a listener question that we had submitted, actually. And this listener wants to know, will King Charles be at the games of the London series for Major League Baseball? I fear he may have something else on that day. <laughs> <laughs> Not a baseball I, fan, you think? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think he goes to any sort of public, like, sporting events. I can't imagine. Yeah. He doesn't follow, the, like, William and his son, George, have been seeing a, a couple stuff. So if anyone's going to make an appearance it, uh, at that, it's going to be, it's going to be like a. Yeah, William that's true. So you might something. see um, William and Kate at a football game or you might yeah. see uh, the, the rugby too. Well, I know that Princess Anne often is at Murrayfield for Scotland games. Okay. Yeah. We'll keep um, an eye out for Princess Anne. 
uh, who knows maybe he'll have a ticket yeah, and it'll be sitting in one of the stands <laughs> I had never even considered that like I'd never thought about it and I don't know if this was a, a genuine question from a listener or just kind of a fun like <laughs> but of course he won't be there but that would be fun to oh, ask exactly. about um either way I, I thought it was worth oh, asking do we know who's throwing out the first pitch Oh, is that? A, I mean, I'm sure there will be some sort of a ceremonial. Well, they're definitely going pitch. to. That's like the huge. That's like the advertising around here is like, how can um, you experience American culture by going to the MLB? Right. That's the export here is American culture, baseball, mm. it's America's pastime. It's very much advertised that way. I think. Um, so they're going to teach people like what the seventh inning stretch is. Andy doesn't know what that is. And oh he- yeah um so or like beat the freeze or like uh any any sort of like outfield game antics that happen in between innings or stuff yes we've got to do it all an export of ours that we're gonna that we're definitely gonna see that at the game when i was talking to dan my husband last night about how i was gonna talk with andy about baseball today he was like so there's one two three strikes he doesn't even know that song he was like he having a meltdown that like he has no idea and i'm like no he's gonna have to ride it on his arm or his ride it on his arm for the day <laughs> yeah and, and worst of all worst of all he has been recruited by Kimbird herself um to wear cup blue on the yeah, day this is dangerous she bought he, him um, attire yeah, i'm pretty sure it's trying to get in the the mom's good graces behavior and that's all that i'm accepting that it is so I've been a, a diehard club fan for at least three months now. So, yeah. um, <laughs> Since she told you you were. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron Judge does not play for the Cubs. Therefore, Andy cannot name one Cubs player. <laughs> well, okay. Is I guess that brings me to my next question. Is all of London just a buzz over these two baseball teams from middle America that are coming to play in the UK? What's the good word there? Yeah, we had to shut the window earlier because people were screaming about it outside. Yeah. Uh, the countdown is on. But, uh, you know what? I think we we were trying to like Google some stuff about it the other day, and uh, I, I don't know that it's incredibly well advertised here. If, I, if I'm being honest, I, I know that was oh. one of one of the big issues in 2019 was the advertising too. Because I remember doing my research for my dissertation, I originally wanted to do it on the MLB rather than the NFL. And there just wasn't enough. Like um, I was interested on like the contracts that have to happen between advertising yeah. or whatever. And that, that was an issue that I saw come up and eventually why I didn't do it. But we were talking about like, if you see something advertised in the UK, it's usually in the tube or it's on, they've got like multiple different places in the tube where you can advertise or it's on the side of a red bus. Yeah. yeah. Um same way it would be I, in like the cities here the the tube yeah. is like the subway or the the train yeah yeah so i i think i saw a couple on the very small ads in yeah. the tube of the mlb mlb london series but like there hasn't been the big ones in the tube which are the ones that actually catch your attention while you're waiting for the train or like no on the side of a bus advertisement I think maybe it will go up in the next weeks, next four weeks. But like, I think tickets are pretty much kind of sold out. The general yeah. sale ones for sure. That's that's definitely my experience too. I think that had I not known about it from 
you know, you guys, I would probably not know that it was happening. Mm. Really? Okay, so um, if you had to predict, like, a percentage split, what percentage of the game's attendees do you think will be tourists versus people who actually live in the UK? Well, we, we spoke about this. Yeah. And we were, so I thought that it'd probably be about 15, 20%. But then we Googled it and we were horribly wrong. So, like, I think yeah. 2019, it was about 70%, was it? Yeah. So, the for the Red Sox versus the Yankees game in 2019, it was 70% of UK yeah. attendees. Really? 30%. Um, but I think a large chunk of it probably is. So, like, in my own personal experience, the reason I would have given you the answer that it would have been overwhelmingly U- U.S. tourists yeah. was because uh, my friend and I, who my friend Siri and I, who are Americans ourselves, were out the night that the Cardinals game was going, or sorry, the Yankees and the Red Sox game, mm-hmm. and we met like a load of Americans when we were out. It was like all that we, maybe we just found each other because, you know, when you're in a foreign country and you meet someone from your country, yeah. You <laughs> so like um new york i've been there yeah yeah i've been there um so that was probably what i formed my opinion on which wasn't necessarily an educated one um but it makes sense that it's mostly yeah uk people Not having a good day it. out yeah. like having a good day out um i think there are definitely like european baseball fans over here like it's how the nfl yeah. has grown their market here as well like people like a sport that makes them feel a little bit different here but um yeah and uh i think if if with the advertising a bit a bit more advertising british people love an excuse to go out and have a beer and watch something yeah. new so i think yeah scope for them to okay no but well, yeah. it's interesting from like what you said from an advertising perspective that like you may have not even known about it. So I def, especially after you said that, I was expecting that you would be like, yeah, seventy percent tourists, maybe thirty yeah, percent exactly. yeah. locals. Yeah, but it's actually the opposite. Yeah, yeah. So seventy percent. I mean, the sheer cost of like what it costs to get over to Europe too. So sure, of course that makes sense when you really think about it. And then what it costs someone uh, like us that lives in central London to go one of those games. It's a yeah. it's a two bride and the ticket really. So that's a good right. thing on a Saturday. And and I think, um, so the actual game is being held in an area called Stratford. Like it'll be at London Stadium, which is the home of West Ham's, uh, the, the big football West team. West Ham? So like, West, it, Ham, you know, it, it, West Ham United. So it's like, um, it's like completely, oh, it's the, if you watch Ted Lasso. Yeah, I know them because of Ted Lasso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like the villain team. The mates team. Um, so anyway, <laughs> the area in general is just like absolutely surrounded by shops and like loads of things to do. There's an okay. ML bar actually in a oh, nice called Westfield. You can go do batting cages, um, but there's going to be like loads of activities to do outside. It's the old um, London Olympic Stadium that was built in 2012 for the Olympics. So it's just, it's actually constructed for pockets of large amounts of people to congregate around and, and participate in, you know, pop-up activities. So very cool. Okay. Built purpose for, for the day. Yeah. So perhaps MLB's ultimate goal of growing the game isn't, isn't lost overall. It does sound like yeah there will be quite a few local attendees there so that's cool because i i would not have necessarily thought that yeah the big uh sports over here are what cricket's the most like baseball and we Mm -hmm. live a stone's throw from a cricket ground that we've heard 
shouting from yeah. today. But uh, is cricket like? Are there cricket games that are regularly televised? Um, there are, but it's kind of whilst it's still whilst it's one of the most. I think it's like the national sport actually, cricket here. Mm, okay. The most, you know, most the most subscribed sort of sporting games that you go to is the football. Football, yeah. right? Like, Soccer. Everybody's got a team. Right. Um, so the cricket isn't uh, isn't always on the telly or it's not always like Sky Sports One or two. It's it's on there, but it's further down. It's like our but, ESPN. Yeah, yeah. Sky is the equivalent of ESPN. Right. Gotcha. Um, but no, football is the most heavily subscribed. I think you can talk to anyone about football for yeah. It's here. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's why there is a show like Ted Lasso, right? It's literally about like yeah. the cultural impact of that sport in the UK. So. I've talked about Ted Lasso on this podcast uh, many times. So <laughs> if you're listening and you haven't watched it, go watch it. It'll tell you all about the impact of that sport and how big it is over there, which of course is American soccer. So what I really want to ask you guys about now is what are like the top of your list of must do's for the 30% of Americans or, you know, otherwise people coming from other countries that are coming to visit London, what do you have to have on your list? What do you have to do while you're there? For me, as a person that has lived in the U.S. and moved here, I entirely picked my university based on the pictures that I saw on the website. And then I signed the papers uh, for my student loans. And then I, (laughs) um, and it's a big thing to say, I wasn't disappointed. And that was worth signing my life away for. Um, So I went to University of Greenwich, which is a borough of England. So if you have a chance to go to Greenwich, London, do it. I'm going to take you and our entire family there. In fact, we're spending a whole day there. Um, So it's called the Old Royal Naval College because it's where they used to train the Navy in, um, in, you know, wartime in England. But it's such since been converted into a giant university. There's huge two bell towers that sit at the base of the river. And then when you look up, you see the Queen's house. And then beyond that is the Royal Observatory, where um, I'm actually not sure who the guy was, but he basically invented maritime there. So like the uh, meridian, or is it the meridian? Oh, yes. Yes. Line that starts time is there. Yes. It's a very unique place. It's got, if you want to do the hike up to that, it's got an incredible view of London. It, you can see the city of London with the great big skyscrapers. You can see the river stretch through. And, you know, the absolute thing that I think Americans will pr- appreciate is the history that you can just see by looking at a river like that and seeing the amount of commerce that goes through something. Just have a moment and just be like the history and the, and the amount of time that has passed I can't even fathom because our country's not even that old right um, the school Andy went to when was your school 1344 so his school so. that he grew up going to <laughs> it's, old. it's really old yeah it's, it's well due uh <laughs> over to be honest but... that's insane yeah I mean there's nothing and obviously in this country that is that old so that's insane yeah so I said Greenwich is on my top uh, recommendations just because it's it's cute. It's quaint. You can get a, um, I know scones and tea are a big thing. If you're going to clotted cream, if you're going to have, that's Kimber goes crazy for that. Um, there's a great place in Greenwich called Peyton and Brine. 
that you can get an inexpensive one of that. Cause if you come to England and you have a cream tea, it's probably going to run you a 50 pound thing. If you go to a fancy posh place, but there are loads of other cafes you can get in. Don't have to pay an arm and a leg for that was a thing that tourists won't know. Genuinely. You'll yeah. tip and you'll pay an arm and a leg for it. And then yeah, you had you had a couple of suggestions, didn't you? I think I think one of the you must go to all the pubs. All of the pubs. Be, all all of, the pubs. of the pubs in whatever area you're staying in. Um because pubs in England are sort of the social heartbeat of yeah. the uh of the way things work here. You know, bad day at work to the pub, business deals, pub. Good day at work. <laughs> Good day pub. at work, pub. But like also, you know, Friday nights if you walk in down any street in central London, the pubs are just booming. Live people. music, yeah, Live, yeah, exactly. So I think that if, if to get in touch with sort of the social that was range good. You, said, you said whatever area you're staying in, yeah, go to a like we're gonna do a pub crawl, and we're staying in South London. So like we've got nine pubs, and that's our that's our Monday. We're doing that, like yeah, um, yeah. So stay tuned for that. Peace, love, and baseballers. We'll be yeah, sure. we'll be live <laughs> covering our our pub crawl. <laughs> But it it is like you you're just gonna find within walking distance of where you're staying that many pubs because they're yeah. on every corner and uh, go have a have a chat with someone that's in there like yeah. they like someone that sat with a pint in the newspaper they're gonna want to talk to you yeah um, Americans are not you know too hard too hard to go and you know make friends yeah. with someone my my dad still gives me directions using pubs as landmarks so wherever, that's amazing i love that go, yeah you need to go right at the white bear and then yeah, down yeah. past the anchor yeah, yeah that's good <laughs> and so he, yeah. you know it's really part of the social fabric of um, british culture that's so, very cool so yeah like especially as somebody visiting like i always think the coolest things to do are you know not the scheduled tours or you know to hop on a bus that's on some scheduled thing but yeah to actually immerse yourself in the culture and that sounds like an easy way to do it actually you know ironically now you've said that um one of my suggestions was to do a a guided tour of something where like depending on how much time you have yeah we haven't done a load of them because you know when you're you live a place you kind of don't you know when you live in new york you don't have the time to figure it out for yourself yeah or like, but that's the thing is like, I did some, you know, what I thought was some stupid Halloween bus scare tour with one of my friends once, um, you know, but we actually learned a ton of stuff about like, oh, uh, we were walk we were on an open bus tour through Whitehall, which is um, one of the streets by, you know, Parliament, Westminster Abbey, all the really historical landmarks. And they stopped the bus at a certain point and there was a chunk missing out of the building. And they go, this is leftover from the bombing of world war two and that's and it hasn't been repaired and, and oh, wow oh my god like well, there's nothing to compare like that yeah. like yeah the real history so if you're if you're any in any way kind of fascinated by world war one world war two history a load of it exists in london the churchill war rooms we're gonna go do that because i've heard it's like i've never been myself but here it's yeah. absolutely amazing um the palace is so worth seeing because it's just like unlike anything we have We'll walk right. by. Well, um, there's beautiful national, or sorry, royal parks here. Um, they're so well kept and absolutely beautiful. Just go for a wander. Yeah, like, I was going to say that because it's interesting that you talk about the sort of remnants of the war in the country. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Growing up in Coventry, where's my little uh, small town where I grew up? 
a lot of the railings have been preserved and they've been cut down because in the war effort they needed the metal to oh, wow. make the planes and whatever else and they've mm. preserved those and there's loads of things like that in London which is really where tough. I guess the guided tour may come in handy because you have to sort of be poked in the right direction to see right yeah but they're there and yeah. if you walk around you can see these things yeah if that's your cup of tea like I would definitely suggest doing that like an like a double decker kind of yeah the red bus tours well that's cool too because you know we don't have those here so that's that's actually how you get around places yeah like like they are real uh actually use them they're way more uh they are real you'll see them everywhere yeah no for real uh was there anything else that we had fish and chips chips. yeah this is the thing you said that to me and i thought you know what you know what you want to do when you go visit a country? You already probably have your pre- preconceived like notions of what visiting that country means. Yeah. Fish and chips is absolutely one of them over here. So yeah. if you didn't get one, you'd be doing yourself a yes. disservice. Like absolutely get fish and chips. Well, I'm it, a big like- fish and chips fan. So like I get fish and chips like here at places, but you're saying it's different. It's going to be worth the local experience. It's there. different because like it's served with vinegar here. Like you like us, it's like a steak fry as i would describe like that's what a chip is it's like yeah. also served to you in newspaper based on the place that you're gonna go and like it is it, it like it's served with mushy peas is that a thing in the oh state? no i mean not that i have had like mm, mushy peas you gotta mushy have peas. um you've gotta have like mayo on your fries that was a big thing that i did not get behind when i first moved here but i've since come around to um that that isn't i think that's a megan quinn thing <laughs> that's just one of Shout our friends thing. Shout out to Megan Quinn. That's one of her things. I'm not sure. Well, that's mayo and fries. Yeah, mayo on fries. Well, it's pretty big here. It's become more popular. I feel like in the past oh. decade or so that they'll serve fries with like multiple types of dipping sauces, and there's always like a mayonnaise based one. So there's a number of burger places that that do that here. So, oh, maybe that's not that strange then. Yeah, I, I think one of the thing about the other things you... we have some of the best theater in the entire world, like West End is sure. unreal. Yeah. I saw The Lion King performed in British accents, ten out of ten would recommend. <laughs> um that's pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> so worth seeing a show <laughs> for well, sure. Like, uh, matinees and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. You can go quite like not even... time it right, you can go quite cheaply. So if you've got time, okay. very cool. good thing to do. Are there any secrets on how to get tickets at the best price? Is it easiest just to go directly through like West End on the website or any special tips and tricks we might not My My sister loves theatre and so she sort of dragged my mom along a lot of times. So you have like in Leicester Square and Piccadilly, you have those sort of, I don't know how to describe them, huts that sell tickets and they're the huts that sell them for quite high prices and so what i've been told to do from my mum and sister is you actually go to the theater and ask inquire about the tickets that they have available and they'll give you the lowest price to the highest price and so if they're available and it's not behind a pole um let's get in there yeah so that's the way i think the best way okay so just go directly to the theater straight to the source i love that yeah and they might be able to tell you also if they go well we haven't got any tickets but we know that the one down the road has it's a good way of doing it oh that's great okay that's a really good pro tip all right well lots of good things to add to the list to do is there anything specifically that are like tourist traps or things that you would say just like you know what this is a popular thing to do but may not be worth it especially if you have limited time anything to pass on in my personal opinion, the London Eye. We walked by it today and we were absolutely like, 
Dwight out of the office being like, we need a new plague. Like it is so busy and crowded here. And I hate it. Like it was just <laughs> what's so- it called? The London Eye. It's the big the fair. London Eye. Oh, it's yes. Okay. Down. It's right in the middle of London. Like, I'm sure it has a spectacular view that you see for about four minutes when you're at the top. Sure. And then you're at the bottom. And it's full of screaming kids and their strollers and <laughs> overpriced ice cream. Like, no. On a hot summer's day, especially towards the weekend time, yeah. you might get a good, like, if you want a view, if you want a view of London, go to the Sky Garden. Tickets are free um, if you book them in advance. Probably for the week that the London series is going on, probably book them the week this podcast comes out. Like, I've booked ours. Book them now. So, um, yeah, out <laughs> now. Sky Garden tickets, out now. Um, there's like the shard it's worth paying for a ticket to go up in the shard have a fancy dinner in like a nice restaurant there uh what's the place that we went the um tower with sushi samba oh yeah sushi samba has a great it's in liverpool street um it's a restaurant you can have a fantastic sushi dinner and get an amazing view of the city like don't pay for the London Eye, I don't think. Or Shrek's Adventure. Yeah, or Shrek's Adventure. <laughs> I also think that I think when you're in London, you can think that I want to go to the Shard. I want to go to the places that have these quite expensive meals and whatever else. But I think actually the best part of it is going to the the local places. So wherever you're staying, yeah. go and get the local. Yeah. Go to the local pubs and whatever else to eat and stuff. And I think maybe, maybe, I mean, I, I don't know. Unless you're staying in like a really sketchy area, there's yeah. always going to be like a cute independent place around you that's worth sure. like ha- like just walk around. Yeah, yeah. get so glued to your phone and kind of like just have a wander. Like put put half a day in your in your schedule to just have a walk around the area you're staying in because there's so many different pockets and they're so eclectic and it's so um, cool to see the different spaces that you're in that you would never see if you, you know, you were just like, right, we're going to go to this place that I found on Google for brunch and, and we're going to walk there. Right. And down. Um, but yeah, other things just not to do. We were thinking about this earlier. One of the big annoyances of anyone in London, um, do not stand on the left side of an escalator. You will very much see when you take the tube or if you t- travel anywhere, the right side of the escalator is meant for standing. And if you are in a rush and you need to go somewhere or you want to walk up the escalator, it's the left side. And equally for going down an escalator, do not stand on the left side. You will like get really dirty looks from people. Okay. So lazy Americans to the right. You hear us? Lazy yeah. Americans. Yeah. Right. And to people the right. don't look down on you if you're going to the right. It's just like, yeah, just stay right. It's where you want. <laughs> if you're going to stand on an escalator, stand on the right. That's fine. Um, also don't tap out of a bus. Like when you're paying for public transport, you got to tap in to get onto the tube and you got to tap off to get, or tap out to get off the tube. I've made the mistake of tapping on to get on the bus and tapping to get off the bus. So don't do that. You pay that, you pay twice for it. If you're just going to get off, just get off the bus. Oh yeah. It costs the same amount to go one stop on the bus as cost to go 50 stops. Like, okay, cool. So that's the same. That's the same, like in Chicago or in New York. Yeah. But it's different. It's different. No, what you're kind of correlating, so right? So no, what you're correlating into is like if you get on a toll road, like there are a lot of them where you pay depending on the distance that you go. So that is a good, good thing to consider. It's or, cost yeah. the same whether you're going two stops or twenty stops. Just getting around London, like I do believe that we have one of the best public transport 
systems in the world here. Um, so it's it's relatively easy to understand, but cannot recommend enough the app called City Mapper. It is the best in the world, and I do not leave home. I've lived here for four plus years now, and I don't leave my flat without City Mapper. It tells you how to get to different locations, how long it will take you, the different modes of transportation you can take, how much it will cost you on each of those transportation modes. Oh, nice. I recommend it to everyone. Don't leave the house without it. City Mapper. Okay. We'll drop that in the show notes. City Mapper too is that it will tell you what the walking distance is. And if you press on the walking sign, then it will show you the route. And so if you want to walk around, way to save money from going on the tube and also see other places that you might not see. Yeah, like walk places too. That's a big thing. Kelsey, we're going to do a load of this when when you guys come. And I think mom and dad have gotten better at walking. Midwesterners out there. (laughs) Between me and New York and yeah, you... You there? If you're in the city. You're gonna walk, so uh, make it the excuse for you to drink and eat more fish and chips. So, like, just walk and see a city. London, while it's massive, it all the like really cool touristy destination stuffs are not incredibly far away from each other. So, yeah, walk to Westminster Abbey, Trafalgar Square, the Palace in you know a half hour if you want to. And there are pubs along the way. Stop and yeah, your legs, but walk just walk it's so cool just to see um just you know on foot yeah i agree with that agree okay with so we're gonna skip the london eye and we've got some great other recommendations <clears throat> on if you want the view that you would go to oh. the london eye for so i love that very similarly to what i would tell people about new york city is that you're saying yeah there's of course there's these big restaurants that you've heard of but you can't find a bad restaurant in a city that big like it's so yeah. competitive like the hole in the wall spots are some of the best places. So I am super excited about that. And city mapper is the app we can't leave home without. Okay. I'm going to put that in the show notes. Cause I think that's, that's a really. Yeah. Sponsored by the crown and city mapper. (laughs) Peace, love and baseball is brought to you by city mapper. (laughs) We are going to endorse that for sure. Peace, love and baseball is brought to you by validity. What is validity, you ask? Well, I'm glad you asked. Hey, are you a fan of indie pop rock with a touch of Ben Folds, Mika, and Jukebox the Ghost? Then you gotta check out Validity. It's a musical project by the talented vocalist and instrumentalist Wesley McKinney. His latest album is called Indivisible, and it is now streaming on Spotify, Apple Music, and really wherever you listen. And it's a must listen for anybody who loves upbeat melodies and catchy lyrics. And who doesn't? What makes Validity truly special is McKinney's ability to seamlessly blend his passion for music with his love of baseball, creativity, fitness. You will find out so much about Wes as a person and just stuff that you can connect with by listening to his music. He's not just a musician. He is a full, well-rounded artist. He knows how to stay active and inspired. And I really think the music makes you feel just the same. One thing that we talked to Wes about when he was on the podcast was how he writes both the music and lyrics, which is unique in itself. I actually think it's weird when people don't do that because I, they obviously go together so well. But if you find that you know perfect writing partner, awesome. And I asked Wes, like, do you write your lyrics first or your music first? And he explained that most of the time they really come at the same time. And I really think that is a very telling of the kind of story and the way you're going to hear 
things on so many levels with his music. So whether you are a baseball player, you're going to the gym, or maybe just a creative mind and lover of great music, Validity has got something for you. Tune into his music and let Wesley McKinney take you on a journey of self-discovery and fun. Don't miss out on it. Go stream Indivisible today. All right. Well, I've got a couple other questions for you. We took listener questions and the majority of them were something along the lines of about the in-game experience here. So I know, Katie, when I had you on before, we talked about how uh, you can't necessarily buy alcohol like the same way at uh, at a football mm-hmm. match there that you would at a baseball game. So our listeners want to know, will they serve alcohol at the London series games at the so stadium? Absolutely be drink there. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, that's not the question. I couldn't actually find on any answer of if you're going to be able to take it into your seat, which is like such a weird thing for Americans. Oh, yeah. Uh, the reason that it's not allowed in football stadiums here is because mainly it would create fights it would really create fights like people would spill beer and it would like you know tensions are yeah high. i mean that's a good call out of like the difference in in culture at a football game at like a soccer yeah. game versus like a baseball game where everything's like just a dull roar the whole time and like you it almost <laughs> feels like quiet yeah. you're like is anyone yeah. else even here and you're surrounded by forty thousand people that is so true that's what the vibe of a baseball game is like. I'm hanging out here. Yeah. And that's why I love a bit. Like yeah. loads of people I reckon from England are going to love the atmosphere. So chilled out. It's a day out to have, even if you have no idea what's going on on the pitch or like, or the field, like it's just, a, it's an amazing atmosphere. Um, and I will be curious myself to find out if they can recreate that. Having been to a game in the states like yeah in a, in a stadium that is not built for it because like mlb we've got jumbotrons everywhere we've got the you know um advertising the the smell that is a ballpark that you can't really replicate like i'll be really curious to find out what foods they're importing they're definitely going to do like the nachos and the hat that cost and you know, <laughs> yeah and uh But one of the things I don't think they'll do, which to me is like what is kind of the glue of a baseball game when I'm sat in my seat is um, the, you know, the vendors being like hot dogs. Yeah. You don't think they'll do that? I I don't think they'll do that. I don't know if it's legal here. Oh, interesting. I think that they're not. I actually can't speak on any authority of this, but I don't think that will be you can't hire a steward. I think it'd be interesting. Here. I think I don't know. I think you might be surprised. I think they may try and replicate it as best they can. And I think with the alcohol thing too, I th- they definitely will sell it at the ground. Mm. Um, whether they are allowing you to sit in your seats, I don't know because it is a football stadium that it's going to be playing. Right. It's going to, that's, that's going to be hosting it. Um, so the typical rule for football is that there's no alcohol to be brought into the stadium, but rugby which is another big sport here the fans actually sit together and they are allowed to bring alcohol into okay stadium so in the the seats in the seats you're allowed to have it in the seats i bet they will then i bet they will because okay they don't so this is important context andy explain to like that they separate what in football so in football the two the fans aren't allowed to sit together and for very good reason um, because they have a good drink beforehand and there's rivalries going on 
And it's all uh, history has told us <laughs> yeah. that mm-hmm. the two sets of fans separate them. would be separated and they have different entrances and they have different fan yeah. zones, whatever else. That's wild. That's yeah. the weirdest thing to imagine because, no, genuinely, when I used to work at Arsenal, we were told at the gates we're not allowed to let someone in, even if they're not wearing the jersey of the other team, if they're wearing significant colors that represent that team. Wow. They're not allowed to because yeah. they'll get beat up. Well, I remember when I went to um, my first game at Wembley with Coventry, and we I can't remember who we were playing, but we, my, my dad, it was just me and myself and my dad, uh, we were going to a pub, and the guy on the door said, are you guys from Coventry? And we said, yes. And he said, I'm so sorry, but a couple of blokes have walked in from the other team, so we can't let you in. Oh, my gosh. So, so yeah. it, it, that just sort of gives it a bit of context as to how it is. Yeah. How, um, but rugby, however... They do so tend. They do tend to have the fans sat together, okay, and they're allowed to drink in the stands. So it'd be interesting to see whether they, if it's the if it's the usual thing that in baseball games they have drinks at seats. Yeah, yeah. They'll probably try and replicate that as best they can. So I'm not speaking of any authority, but I oh, imagine there may be something they can do. Yeah, because if you're at a, a football game here, you literally got to like go out at halftime and neck two and then get back in there. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's going to be really interesting. Yeah, Maybe. I I would think because they are trying to bring the the experience as much as possible and the culture of America's pastime that yeah. perhaps they'll figure out a way. And I mean, between like, you know, they they can hire catering companies or there's people who, you know, get hired to do. Today oh, you're yeah. working at the baseball stadium and next week you'll be working here. So they can kind of outsource that, I guess, if you will. Yeah. So that's good. Stay tuned. We will report back on what the whole experience is like, but there's a lot to speculate on there. Yeah, the mini mic that will be brought to you by the mini mic. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That rose gold mini mic. We're going to have it out all over the place. Okay. Another listener question. Will they sell London series gear and other merch like t-shirts and stuff like at the games? Hell Yeah. Uh, that will be absolutely everywhere, plastered in your face. There's merchandise, tents before you enter, when you enter. Um, you know, it'll be plastered in your face. That that's the same thing they do for the NFL. Um, a huge part of their revenue stream will be merchandise, and that will be like kind of a touch point for their investors to be like, all right, how well did we do today? Like, did people yeah. want this? So that, that yeah, you'll definitely be able to get. I reckon there will be um. I know the players have badges on their jerseys that will be specific to the London series. And I think there's a limited amount of those that are for sale, like at, at the shop only on the day. Okay, cool. Exclusive stuff too, only for sale on the day, but then obviously on the MLB sites before beforehand, if if you want to, you know, pack that in your suitcase and bring it across. Okay. Yeah. That's neat though, to know that there will be certain things that you're saying, like you can only get if you attend the games. Mm -hmm. So that's like the stuff to look out for, to have as like, you know, your memorabilia to take home with you. That's cool. They often have it on the walkway too. So uh, typically in games, in football games in England, there's a tube station that you get off at in London Mm. and you'd walk to the game and on the walk there's different vendors selling different things like scarves and t-shirts and whatever else so there may be that too okay cool like little salesmen little sales guys yeah 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 Yeah, absolutely scarves scarves so Andy we'll buy you like a Cardinals jacket to wear over whatever Cubs gear Kim Bird brings for you and you'll be good to go (laughs) 
You're yeah. going to get beat up wherever you go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't right. matter. You're going to get beat up by the birds wherever you're going to get. There it is. Okay, well, Andy, speaking of your baseball experience, have you ever been to a baseball game? Like, what do you know about, about baseball? Um, I've never been to a baseball game. Okay. My knowledge of baseball, I'm afraid, is 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 bad. <laughs> I, I know that, that so of course... I know there's two teams. I couldn't. Well done, two teams. Two teams. <laughs> I couldn't tell you how many players there are on each team at any given time. Okay, um, well, that, see, this is what I figured from our what little conversation we have had around baseball. Yeah. But since you're going to go to these games with us, and you know yes. we're counting down the days here. Yes. It got me thinking. You know, a big part of what I hope this podcast can be is growing the love of the game. And, and it starts with you, Andy, it starts with you today. So it got (laughs) me thinking about like, what, what are the basics that you need to know to know what's going on that would help you enjoy the game more when you go. And we're just going to have a little fun with it. I'm going to ask you some questions. Some of them are multiple choice. Some of them are just give it your best guess, but they're all right. kind of structured around like the big things that we want to educate you and the other listeners who are going to attend the game and, and don't necessarily know a ton about baseball. So there's so much going on. There's a lot of strategy to it as with every sport to some extent, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But what are the things if you just kind of strip it all away that you really need to know? to to take it all in and, and have the best experience. So are you up for a little baseball or bust game? I'm ready. I'm, I'm, baseball or bust. I'm really ready. Okay. And Katie, you're not allowed to assist yep. in any way here. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to ask the question. We're going to see what Andy thinks about it. And then we're going to educate kind of around that. Sound good? Okay. Okay. So the first question is, how many games does a team play each major league season? This is a multiple choice. So your options are A, 48 games, B, 112 games, or C, 162 games. 48, 112, 162. How many games do you think are in a major league season? I, When you said 48, I, I immediately went, that's a lot. So I'm going to go with 48. Oh, <laughs> see, that's very interesting because I know in in Premier League soccer there's 38 games, right, right. in a season. Right. In in Major League Baseball, there are 162 games in each season. Knackered after the end of the season. <laughs> yeah. So even though the season takes place over roughly the same amount of time, like six months or so, they play almost every day for for six months. So there are 100, 162 games. So that's a huge perspective thing with baseball. Wow. It's a long season. It's a big picture game. Each game throughout the series holds the same weight. So while there are only 38 games in a Premier League season, there's only 17 games in an NFL season. Building a successful baseball team and putting together a good season comes from a totally different perspective through 162. That's so interesting. I had so no idea. What I think is similar is that the top teams in each division are the ones that obviously have the best record over the right. course of however many games they play. And then those are the teams that go to the playoffs. But obviously a lot of different things become important when you're playing such a long season and you're playing every day as opposed yeah. to, you know, just once a week or so. Oh, that's illuminating. I had no idea. So I imagine then the the squad depth and everything else is so important. Mm-hmm. Injuries. Absolutely. Yeah. 
we'll, we'll get into the number of players on the team uh, in a little bit here, but totally different game because there's so many games. I have no idea. That's, that's yeah. crazy. All right. We're already proving my point because that's, yeah. again, like a big thing that kind of changes your perception of, of what's going on game to game. Yeah. Okay. This one is just a give it your best guess. No multiple choice here. But how many players do you think are on the field for a team when they are playing defensively? So when they're out on the baseball diamond, how many players do you think are out there? Um, so I'm going to try and do this strategically. Football is 11, rugby's 15, cricket's 11. So I'm going to go with 11. That's a good guess. You're pretty close. There is nine. There are nine uh, players on the field for... There are nine players on the field for each team, but there are 10 players that actually start each game. So there's nine defensive positions, and they are the pitcher and the catcher, which is commonly referred to as the battery. And then there's the first base, the second base, shortstop, who plays in between second and third base, and then the third base. So there's four infielders, and then there's three outfielders that play right field, center field, and left field. So all of those players are the same players that make up your offensive lineup. So they're the, the same players that play defense are the same players that play offense, which is not always the same in other sports as well, like football, American football, you know, there's separate offensive and defensive teams, but it's the same, same players that are going to hit for you that are out on the field with the exception of the pitcher who does not hit. So instead, there is a 10th position that is called the designated hitter who does not play on the field, does not play defense, and they just bat for the team. And then throughout the game, certainly, you know, there's, there's 26 players total on the roster, as you said, you know, in terms of depth. So there's 16 other guys that don't start the game, uh, about half and half in terms of like pitchers and position players that then can be subbed in as the game goes on and can be switched out through the minor league system throughout yeah. the season as well. Interesting. Uh, 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 yeah, I'm closer, closer with that one. Yeah, minor <laughs> league is a whole different thing too. We, uh, we'll take you Yeah, the way that Yeah, the way that the system works of like coming up in professional sports, I have no idea what that's like in soccer, but it's very different from, uh, you know, soccer and football and basketball. Is, like baseball is its own kind of thing, the way that the players kind of come up through the system to get to the major league level, the highest level here. Very interesting. You, if you're going to play a professional sport in England, you start when you're yeah, you, 18. You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. And really? Yeah, because there's no collegiate sports over here. You can't get a scholarship to go play like collegiate sports. Like, Oh, that's if, wild. If you're going to be a professional footballer, like your life starts at 18, 19. Well, yeah, you get recruited into, 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 like, the, academy. into the academies as a, as a Club soccer. It can be like six or seven. All right. Hmm. But yeah, once you're. But there's no like. It's your professional, that's it. And you don't get recruited from a collegiate system. Baseball is one of the only like mainstream sports here where you don't necessarily get recruited from from a collegiate system. You can and you can't get drafted out of college, but you don't. You can get drafted also straight out of high school. So it's a little bit different. They have their own system of how you kind of work your way up to the highest level. So we won't get too far into that because that's just really nitty gritty stuff. And and we're just here to understand the game that we're going to in a few weeks. Right. So the next question is, is multiple choice going to give you a few options here. 
So what does it mean if a player gets a walk? A, he hits the ball so hard that he gets to walk around the bases. B, the pitcher threw enough pitches out of the strike zone that the at-bat is over and the player takes first base. Or C, a player can't hit the ball, so he must walk back to the dugout. Oh, I'm going to go with C because I think one is a home run, right? So that goes... You are you are correct about that, yeah. <laughs> it's then... the ball so hard it leaves the stadium. That is a home run, and he so gets to go around all the bases, yes. Yeah, he has to take a walk back to the subs bench. <laughs> no. Oh. The correct answer here is actually B, is that the pitcher threw enough pitches out of the strike zone that the at-bat is over, and the player gets to take first well, base. We're going to teach this all to you all the day. I'm so excited. Give him like a three and two count. And then <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, so the count is... <laughs> is something to understand all in itself and it can be quite detailed because there's a number of things that can happen so but there's there's many ways that an at bat can end right by getting a hit by grounding out by flying out so you either like hit the ball on the ground and you get tagged you get tagged out at the base you either like hit the ball in the air and it gets caught and you're out uh you might strike out which would be if they can't hit the ball three times in a row and then they have to walk back to the dugout that would be a strikeout Um, or getting a base on balls, more commonly known as a walk, which is a batter gets three strikes. So three chances to hit the ball that is thrown in the zone. And the zone is determined by the umpire that you may have seen, like who stands behind the plate, behind home plate. And if the ball is thrown within the zone, that means the, the hitter should be able to put that ball in play if they swung at it. So they either swing and miss or they take it and the umpire's like, you could have made that a hit. So that's a strike or they get four balls. A ball is called when a pitcher throws a pitch outside of the zone, meaning the batter can take the pitch and not swing at it because they're like, that was a bad pitch. I couldn't have done anything with that. So if that happens four times in an at bat, the batter gets to take a walk to first base. There we go. Yeah. That's the- very, I, that's very interesting. I would have thought it would be the, uh, actually useful to yeah. hear else, but i mean i know for sure yeah well. like it's actually yeah fun. but it's it's interesting how we don't even think about it because yeah. i mean for you and i katie like i can't even remember the first baseball game i watched because you know i was i was learning it and understanding it before i could even articulate these sorts of things so it's so ingrained yeah. in american culture yeah. for those of us who follow the game that we don't take into consideration how you know there could be a number of people especially at this london series that have no idea about the basics. Oh, I yeah. Just kind of take a step back. I'm curiously well, taking notes. I'll be ready. <laughs> I yeah. I don't know about you, Kelsey, because Kelsey's older. But like I learned baseball. I'm four years younger than our brother who played baseball. Like I would have just learned baseball. By watching him. Yeah. And I was, you know, before I could probably even walk. And I just wanted to go, yeah, yeah. When, you know, <laughs> someone got three strikes. <laughs> and that was my thing. Or I was just running around, you know. Yeah, that's true. I probably learned as much from, or even maybe more initially from playing, like I played wiffle ball in the backyard with Jake and dad than I would have from like watching a baseball game even. I guess they have that version in the UK though. They they call it rounders. It's like what they play in the park, but it's it's got basically the same rules as baseball. It's got three bases that you run or four bases, right? And then three bases you have to touch in on. 
mm-hmm. as you go around. It's got slightly different rules, but there's a pitcher and there's a catcher and but it's far less. It's like a kid's wiffle ball game. That's right. the rules arounders. Ah, uh, gotcha. It's, it's so, so it's not mainstream. It's not it's a park game. It's yeah. like something you play. Gotcha. Okay. Rather than them. Um, Maybe we'll find some locals to take up a game of rounders with us while yeah. we're game of rounders. It, like it was my summer work due. That's what we did. We went to the park. It got far too competitive. I've never seen <laughs> be so competitive about, you know. Yeah, so that'd be like a cornhole <laughs> or a kickball game here. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Exactly. Okay, I got a couple more, couple more for you. This is just a give it your best guess one. Okay. How many innings are in a baseball game? Ooh, I told you this today. No, you didn't. I did. You, I asked and you said, I'm not telling you this. <laughs> you said, I'm excited for you to get it wrong. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say seven. Oh, Again, know. close. Only in uh, only last season would we, would we have seen a seven-inning baseball game when they did the seven-inning double headers, which was not popular, so we're not doing that anymore. There are nine innings nine. in yeah. a baseball game. So the top half of the inning is when the visiting team bats, which I believe will be the Cardinals in the London series. Uh, and then the bottom half of the inning is when the home team bats. So each team gets to bat nine times, unless the home team is leading after the top of the ninth. And in that case, the game is over because there's no purpose for the home team to bat again because they've already won. So there you go. So there's a top and a bottom of each inning. That's kind so of the like thing to know about. Top of the third. Yeah. I'd say it's the top of the third. Okay. okay. And in between the seventh inning, so in between the top of the seventh and the bottom of the seventh is when we will do the seventh inning stretch. And that's when we're going to teach you take me out to the ball game and you're going to sing that iconic song that has all the rules of the game in it so that's really all you need to know i did sing it for you the other day uh yes off key but i sang it nonetheless no (laughs) yeah so okay we'll give them the the lyrics to that before so you can feel yeah we'll teach it to you on pub crawl day we'll like sing it at every pub we go to so then we will have sung it you know like nine times yes and by then you'll know the lyrics no, That's it's, good. It's all very, I, yeah, learning these things is important. To, it's a plan. Uh, all right. What's going on the day. Yeah. Good. Okay. Last game is we're going to get into a game. Baseball is a very big game of statistics. Ooh, so, this is one of the more basic statistics that is important to understand that I think tells you a lot about the game as a whole. So, one of the most basic statistics for baseball players is their batting average. This is the percentage based on how many hits a player gets divided by their total number of at-bats. So if they're up to bat, at what percentage are they going to actually get a hit? Right. So if a player had 100 at-bats, how many hits would he need to to make him a league average hitter? I'm going to give you choices here. So how many hits would he need to have to make him a league average hitter? Is it A, 25 hits and 100 at-bats, B, 42 hits and 100 at-bats, or C, 77 hits and 100 at-bats? Given there's nine innings, I'm going to strategically go with B. 42? 42. 
Um, so that would that would give a hitter a 420 batting average, which would be pretty incredible because the average batting average in Major League Baseball this season is 247. So if somebody has 25 hits in 100 at bats, that they're actually going to be slightly above a league average hitter. And I bring that up because baseball is a game of failure. You're going to swing and miss and make outs (laughs) a lot more frequently than you're going to get a hit. And I think that's another really important thing to know going in. I think that's interesting. I would have thought they would hit it more often, but that's that's very interesting. Yeah. So these are, again, just questions that I was like, how can we kind of spark some conversation around the foundation of the game that that differs from other sports that you might be more familiar with. So it's interesting. I think it's so interesting. It's very different from um, other fast paced American because the argument that why Americans don't like football here or soccer is because it's not a very, it's a very, very slow moving or you could finish a game nil nil and it would be like, right. Yeah. Uh, that was a good result. We got still some points on the yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but like, the NBA. I was just going to say, which is so different to basketball, isn't yeah. it? Where it's just end Yeah. That's the most important. That's the most um, like popular sport in America is the NBA. Like I would say the NFL is is the most touched the NBA, but like it's the most followed sport in yeah. America. But the NFL equally has stops and starts that like. Yeah, but it's a. Bad, you know? Yeah, you're not going to get halfway through many NFL games without them scoring. Sure. So you and you could absolutely get I mean, the last couple games that the Cardinals have played just here, for example, have been very low scoring games. And so, I mean, you could get through a whole nine innings and it's it is still zero zero and they won't end in a tie. They'll play in extra innings, but it is the same sort of I guess maybe that is where people from the UK will have more of an appreciation for it because there's that same amount of strategy. You see Uh, a lot of action if you know what to look for, even if there's no scoring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually so true. I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, cricket's that way too. Like you can play cricket for five days over here. Yeah. Um, which is. Oh yeah. 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 But like, um, I think rugby is timed, isn't it? And it's quite fairly action packed. But then football. Rugby's more action packed because it's. I suppose it's a bit more like the NFL in the sense that there's all big collisions and. Yeah, it's like a contact sport. But you know, you can watch a game of football or soccer where it's just the ball is in the middle of the park for 80 minutes and you don't really see much yeah so I understand that logic with the nba and whatever else that's quicker sports and more entertaining so i can see that well there's equally like some mlb games are really boring to watch because they're just like pitching battles where if you again if you know what to look for fair enough that's actually still a pretty interesting yeah game. i love those games but like if you are not a fan of the sport or like you don't if you're just going out for a good day yeah, if you don't know the nitty gritty of it and you don't yeah. want to like watch the game and you want to have these big exciting moments of like home runs and big hits, it's not going to be very exciting for you. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, this has been very insightful and I think it'll be interesting for our listeners to kind of, again, take it back to baseball basics <laughs> and and think about what fans over here are over there, you know, over here when I'm there soon are going to be taking in maybe some of them for the first time, like you over there. Is there anything, Andy, that you are like most excited about that you're you're most excited about going to the game for? I am most excited. I do want to see a home run. That's what I want to see. Ooh, um, really? But I'm also I was also very excited for those sort of guys that go, hot dogs. Hot dogs. I'd like to see the I'd like to see the cultural aspect of it. 
Okay, so we'll wait to see. Hopefully there's going to be, yeah, like the the stadium in stadium vendors. Yeah. And we will make it a goal here um, on Peace, Love, and Baseball to document Andy's first home run. Oh, Hopefully no. we'll we'll see Dream. that. Dream. We'll put that on the list for our, our listeners. But we'll bring you a mitt. If there is a home run and it goes into the crowd, the per- does the person who catches it get to keep the ball? Yeah. They do. Yes. Yeah, the only time you might be asked to potentially return it is if it was like a career milestone for uh, the hitter. So if it was somebody's like first home run or if it was their 100th career home run or something like that. And even then you do not have to give it back. What is yours is yours. Yeah. But it is, you know, it'd be common courtesy. It would be a good look if you were to say, you know, return Albert Pujols's 700th career home run and in return i'm sure he would give you some signed merchandise and you know make it well worth your while but yeah i mean it is absolutely yours and you do not have to return it oh very good i'll be looking out for that one yeah and there's a lot of foul balls that get hit and hit out of play into the the seats as well so those are always good souvenirs and we actually have one from from a game we went to last season that dan caught so i got one at the chiefs game yeah Katie, <laughs> what are you most excited about for the games in London? Um, I'm excited to see what is brought over and what's not because I, I definitely don't know what what to expect at all, really. Because anything that is American over here that's brought over is kind of interesting for me to see. I mean, there's in the supermarkets here, there's like the American section, which is always laughable for me. <laughs> mascots probably they don't have those like you you oh my gosh yeah is fred bird gonna be at the london games he will definitely be there but like this is the other thing that mascots don't do in in europe you have them so like coventry city andy's football team has like a big elephant yeah sky blue sam sky blue sam the elephant but he does not make an absolute fool of himself like in america like mascots jobs are to make people laugh yeah little kids smile like so it is to they do like insane stuff or the washington nationals are like my absolute favorite when the presidents come out the giant the the bases with their giant heads like i am looking forward to the stupid silly um middle of the inning antics that happen i'm also curious to see what beer they're gonna serve right so like uh coors light is over here bud light is not a thing at all what Oh, it's Budweiser. It's not Bud Light. It's regular old Budweiser. Straight up. Uh, so that would be really interesting, especially for the Cardinals to see yeah. what they're going <laughs> to bet it's just Budweiser, but it's not Bud Light. Um, because Bud Light, people don't drink light beer over here. <laughs> so there's going to be, the there might be vendors, but they're going to be Budweiser, get your Budweiser instead of Bud Light, <laughs> get your Bud Light. Yeah, no. That'll, that'll be a different experience. Coors Light is one, but like, I don't know. Coors Light's quite popular here. You might get Boddington's or uh, that's Car- Adam Wainwright's favorite is Coors Light, so we're good. Yeah, we're good. I reckon Carlin will be the on tap. Is there a halftime show like the NFL? There is not. The seventh inning stretch is the closest thing to a sort of halftime in Major League Baseball. Uh, so I I can't imagine that even at like playoff games and stuff, they don't really Let's give any added time. Yeah, are they gonna? You think they'll do the United States national anthem at the games? 
That is a good question because no, everyone no. finds that very odd here. Everyone makes fun of me when I say that we used to have to say the Pledge of Allegiance every morning. They think that's absolutely Really? Yeah. That's really crazy. Yeah, no, I didn't find that. Yeah, we didn't. We well, didn't especially because like there is such an allegiance to to like the monarchy and you know that yeah. like cultural connection to your <laughs> government or like the head of state. No, not not in England. No, we don't have anything like that. You have God Save the Queen, but that's or we have God Save the Queen. But that's your national anthem. That's yeah, that's just the anthem that you might. I mean, so yeah, will we hear God Save the Queen? Will we hear the U.S. I national anthem? Gonna... Will we hear both? I imagine they'll anthem. do both. You know, it's just another Maybe. thing we're going to have to report on live here at Peace, Love, and Baseball. I I imagine they will. It's two American teams. They'll definitely do it for... That's what I'm thinking, yeah, because it's the Um, two American teams. But who will sing it is also something interesting. Maybe it will be a... Yeah, because in the World Baseball Classic, like they would play the respective anthems for each country that was playing in each game before the games. That's that's another thing that's interesting that's not done here. Before a football game, you would never hear the national anthem. Unless it's um, unless it's a big big game like England are playing or no, but that's your national team. That's yeah, playing. but if it's like the FA Cup final, for example, bigger games maybe, but like okay, like, huh? Well, like they yeah, it's some... not like a ritual thing that no, you not... always do. Context: My high school girls soccer team. We before every single sporting event of any kind way everywhere that's definitely all lined up hand on your heart oh really caps off yep well yeah every like guys would take their hats off for it stand yeah so every one of those 162 games at every baseball stadium it is done before before the game that's the most amazing one to me the the amount of games that's the most yeah that's the one that most surprised you yeah it is the most different from any other sport so i guess that makes sense Well, thank you guys so much for hanging out with me today. I know it's getting quite late over there and I can't wait to come and visit with y'all. And I know the fact that I get to come and have the experience with you and all of your pro tips that you've shared some with us today is going to you know, be a big part of why I'm going to have such a great experience. And hopefully some of our listeners will enjoy it even more because of your help too. So thanks again and stay tuned for more on assignment coverage from London, from Peace, Love, and Baseball with Katie and Andy. And we're going to play ball. We're going to have a great time over there in London. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon. Bye.